Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 151. My guest in this episode is Dr. Tony Brew. And Tony is a hospitalist like myself. He is the Director of Resident Education for the VA Boston Healthcare System, and he's an Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Tony comes on today, and I'm so happy with this episode, to discuss something that he does actually on social media. He comes on Twitter, and he creates these extraordinary threads, 15, 20, 25 tweets all connected together doing a deep dive into a very specific topic. Each one is different. They're unique. And they look at very specific entities, in this case, in internal medicine. And they're just incredible. And they have changed the expectations of so many of us about how we learn, how we digest, what we look forward to on social media. This concept of threads on Twitter especially is not unique to internal medicine. It's You can find it for anything that you like. And Tony has just really perfected it. He's got it so dialed in and the impact it's having reflects that. So this is just a really, really fun conversation and a really timely one. This episode goes up the day that Tony had a perspectives piece published in New England Journal of Medicine about this specific topic. So that's where we are. That's the amount of scrutiny and attention that these threads are getting. What what I like to call hashtag med threads, others call hashtag tweetorials. We spend a lot of time going into what these are, how he created them, the history behind them, the engagement they're drawing. And we're talking six-figure engagement on the day that he releases these. But we also get into some of the really important tensions that this is bringing up, particularly the tension between putting premium scholarship, premium content on social media versus traditional publication pathways, and also the tension between what I call PubMed hell, where articles basically just go and and rest in limbo, never to be seen again, versus Twitter hell. And what happens with premium content on Twitter, and does it disappear, and how do we surface that as well? Also, the tension between peer review and scholarship on social media, And finally, we really spend a little time on where are we going with all of this? We're just starting. It's so exciting. And we're just paddling out. Tony and I cover all of this stuff and more. He is just extraordinary. And there are so many people that are doing the same work, that are replicating this model. And the the ripple effects it's having are just extraordinary. Before we get to this conversation, I do want to invite all of you, please check out the archive for Explore the Space. This is episode number 151. So there's 150 evergreen episodes. Please dive into the archive. Take a look around. We definitely keep regular content coming. So if you're enjoying Explore the Space, it really helps us out if you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you'd like to download your podcast. There's links in the show notes and basically any platform where you like to download podcasts, you can find us there. If you have the chance to leave us a rating and to review wherever you download your shows, that's a most powerful tool to help other people find Explore the Space or any other podcast that you like. Please do email me feedback, email me ideas, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And then find me on social media for sure. I'm very active, particularly on Twitter, obviously, at ETS Show. You can find me on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. It's a blast to hang out with people. It's a blast to connect with people who are listening to the show and and have feedback. Nothing makes me happier. So please come and find me there as well. Speaking of finding things, glad you found this episode. You're going to love listening to Tony talk about these 
med threads, these tutorials he's creating. He is doing special work. Things are changing quickly, and he is rocket fuel for change. Without further ado, Tony Brew. Tony, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you very, very much. Been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me, Mark. You and I met virtually. This has been one of the most fun parts for me of jumping into social media is connecting with people like you. And I would venture to say we've struck up a virtual friendship before we'd ever met in person. And now here we are. We've met, which is great, but we are yet again connected across the country. So this is wonderful. Yeah, and uh, I would venture to say that this connection is not the only connection you've had that started on social media and then eventually uh, morphed into an in-person meeting. Not a, not a doubt. And that's one of the most fun things yeah. about it. And I think that that's actually a really perfect place for you and I to kind of kick this off. We, we spend time on social media. I spend a lot of time on it. I would su- submit that I could probably be more disciplined. You spend time on it as well. <laughs> but one of the things that you've done with it is you have really created a new platform, a new technique, a new style of teaching. And I love it you create these extraordinary threads where you link together on Twitter, 15 to 20 to 25 tweets with images and pictures and movies and GIFs and data. And it starts with a question and it comes all the way through and it ends with an answer. They're remarkable. They are absolutely amazing. I see them now more and more as my sort of Twitter verse has expanded way outside of medicine that other people are picking up this technique. I want to go all the way to the beginning. I want to know how you first learned of this style of teaching, the style of Mm -hmm. educating, the style of writing and what resonated for you. So if you go back I don't know, two years, and you were look at uh, what I was doing on Twitter. I, I mean, I basically wasn't doing very much. I, I was a, a classic consumer of, of Twitter, uh, saw it as a nice opportunity to connect with other people, occasionally see what experts uh, thought about new, newly released papers in medicine, things of that sort. And I would occasionally engage in things like uh, the uh, Journal of Hospital Medicine uh, Twitter chats, but I really didn't do very much. Um, in December of 2017, uh, Daryl Francis posted what I think is probably uh, the first version of a contemporary tutorial. It was 18 tweets, included five questions. Um, it was absolutely uh, captivating. It was a little bit different than what a lot of people do now in that he would post a few tweets, engage with his audience, and then continue the conversation over a few hours. And, it was, and he used the word tutorial to describe what he was doing. And then a few months later, in March of 2018, uh, Vinay Prasad posted what is probably a first, if not the first version of what is done most often now, which is the posting of multiple tweets all at exactly the same time. So he posted 27 tweets, had seven different questions. It was a dis- discussion of the FDA. And also used this term tutorial in it. And I was um, really um, engaged by what both Dr. Francis and Dr. Prasad did. And and so a few months later, I'm sitting thinking about a a question that was gnawing at me, which was why patients who have an acute hemorrhage became anemic. If they're bleeding whole blood, 
why, why are they actually anemic? And when I found the answer, I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I realized, you know, I've seen these other people post these threaded tweets. Maybe I'll give it a shot, see what happens, see if people are interested. And the response was far beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, and it got me excited about the possibility of doing this for more and more questions. And so that was at this point, uh, you know, over a year ago, back in June of 2018. Um, and I've, I've made it almost a hobby to try to do a few of these a month, partly uh, in many ways, largely for myself, but I think other people have benefited from them as well. So I, I didn't actually realize that the first one was just in June. Cause I always had that gnawing feeling that I'd missed out on some and I've gone back and looked through your Twitter feed, but that's kind of right around the time that I really jumped into Twitter with both feet. So it hasn't been that long that you've been doing these. The, let's start with engagement. Let's start with, you said that you got more than you expected when you started yeah. posting these things. You're obviously a brilliant teacher. I've heard you speak. You see people tweeting about you. You engage with the residents. You engage with the faculty. You engage around the, I, I would suggest you're kind of one of those people that whatever the, the content, you're like a teacher's teacher. You've just, you've got that skill set, whether it's medicine or mathematics or history or physics or whatever the case may be. So you've got that DNA locked in. Your room clearly always engages with you. I've heard you speak. We were like, you know, riveted. But then there's getting that response on social media. What does that look like when you put one of these things up? First of all, give us a sense of scale. Give us a rough sense of numbers and kind of what that resonance is like. So, so the thinking back to the the first one that I posted back in June of 2018, um, I haven't looked uh, in the last couple of months to see what an update is, but as of a couple of months ago, the impressions were on the order of 120,000 for that first tweet, uh, and <laughs> oh then God. what's what's pretty typical is there's an, and we could talk about this later if you're interested in in sort of the the architecture of a tutorial, like what happens. But there's a, typically a pretty dramatic drop-off after the first one. But that, I mean, the way I, I talk about this with other people is um, even if, if um, only a fraction of that 120,000 engaged with that first one and a fraction engaged with the entirety of, of the thread, that far outstrips what I have been able to do as an educator, certainly at a local lecture or even at a, on a national meeting, and certainly outstrips anything I've done in research form. I've, I've written some things, but I can guarantee that um, far fewer than 120,000, probably far fewer than 100 uh, people have actually read some of my papers. So, so there's, a, there's a level of um, uh, engagement and um, uh, reach that you can get with Twitter and with social media generally that, that I just have not been able to achieve in other ways. So you brought us right where I wanted to go quickly, and I'm glad for it. This is the tension. This is exactly where our profession, and I would argue most professions, find themselves. 120,000 engagements for something that you posted on Twitter versus something that you would publish in a journal that will get nothing close to that. It might not even break triple digits. And that's not to minimize the quality of the work. That's not to minimize the platform, but that's a tension. That's a problem. 
if you're going to put effort into something, you're going to put it to where people are going to read it, right? You're going to, you want to, you want to give the people what they want and you want to go to the people where they live. This is a tough one. And I know you're not only the one of the creators of content here, but you're starting to do research around this. What is your sort of high level perspective on this idea as an educator of how this is going to work itself out? We have this universe of journals where that's repository. I like to refer to it as PubMed hell because I can't find anything. Mm -hmm. And if I find it, it's behind a firewall that I have to pay for versus something you create where I can access it. It's brilliant. If it's, if there's a problem, people give you feedback and you can tweak it and it's got impact of in the six digits. How are we going to step through this? Because this is a tension for sure. You know, what's interesting is that the embedded in your question are probably two of the main critiques of, of Twitter as an education tool and, and you know, tutorials as a specific version of that tool. Um, so I, I'm actually going to bring those two up and then we can sort of get maybe get back to the more optimistic version of the question. I like it. I'm ready. One, so one is that in the same way that there's a PubMed hell, there's clearly a Twitter hell in that I may post something. And if, if let's say Mark Shapiro is on a service as a hospitalist around that time and isn't looking at his Twitter feed during the, you know, four or five days around the time that I posted, you may never see it. You may never know that it existed. Um, and then even if you knew it existed, finding it via some kind of a search engine, you know, Twitter has an okay search engine, but it's not certainly perfect. That is a problem. These things have a tendency to appear and then disappear. Um, and uh, the ability to archive, catalog, and, and make them findable is, is an important thing that I, I think about all the time. That's a really thoughtful yeah. point. Twitter hell versus PubMed hell. Yeah. And, and I, I hear that from uh, quite a few people. And they, I don't know that they resist the urge to post for that reason, but they do fear that if they put in you know, hours of work into something, and post it at the wrong time or don't get somebody, somebody with tens of thousands of followers to retweet it, you know, their audience of 300 only has a narrow reach. I mean, the, 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 really, the reason why that first um, Twitter uh, thread uh, tutorial on anemia acute hemorrhage got any traction is because somebody like Mark Reed uh, retweeted it. And I had 300 followers at the time. It wasn't going to be seen by anybody. But it was picked up by people who had uh, a lot more followers, and, and that's what allowed it to, to be seen by others. So that's one, is this idea that we post these, these things that may have true value, but they go away uh, and are not archivable. Uh, PubMed is at least an archive. Um, and the other is the fear that some people have expressed that um, there's no version of peer review that anybody and everybody can post, and um, if one isn't careful, they could be sus- they could be susceptible to reading something that's inaccurate, incomplete, biased, uh, so on and so forth. And and I think that's a critique worth listening to, even if in the end it, the critique um, isn't perfect. This is a huge problem. I love it. I'm glad that we're in this place because I love that we're innovating around education. You're absolutely right. On to that, to that second point, there is an article of faith. When I'm reading something that Tony Brew has created, there's an article of faith that you're doing this for the right reasons. But you're right. There's no disclosure. 
there's no peer review yep. process. There's an article of faith that what you are writing in this thread about why syphilis preferentially attacks the ascending aorta, that you're right. As opposed to not being, as opposed to making something up or having an agenda or something to that effect. Something is going to dent that article of faith at some point for me. It hasn't happened yet. I am pretty picky about the threads that I will read. Um, I read yours. There's a couple of others that I find pretty good. Um, But that's a really, really good point. Are you being tapped with these two really important questions that that you've just put forward? Are you being tapped as one of the people to help solve them? And what do you foresee are the levers to resolve those tensions? So, so for the first one, this um, inability or current incompleteness of a, uh, a way to archive and catalog, um, my hope is that I'm going to help solve that problem. Um, I have some ideas. Um, one is uh, via the creation of a, actually a separate Twitter account. And the hopes is to use that uh, account, which would be manned by a number of different people, to take tutorials that have been posted in the last one to two years and then look prospectively and try to make it uh, so that they are searchable. And I have ideas on how to do that, hopefully in the next month or two, maybe by the time this um, uh, episode is released to your audience, we'll have a little bit more information on that. and then the, the other way that I've thought about doing this, and this may only apply to, to the 50 some odd tutorials that I've personally written, is to, to potentially try to create an app for them. Um, and uh, the, the goal here would be multiple. It'd be one to actually have that catalog, but the other would be to take this off of, um, or take away the requirement of being online. Um, I personally have used some of the ones I've written, some of the ones that Elliot Tapper and Stephen Chen have written on rounds in the room teaching my residents. Um, I don't always have good internet signal, and I don't want to be beholden to an internet signal to be able to pull up something like this. So having it in a a different form, again, like an app, I think would be a true uh, benefit. But that ain't easy, and that takes time. So for clarity, Elliot Tapper does really wonderful threads on liver disease. Stephen Chen does incredible threads on dermatology. These are, these are really, really good, good creators of this content as well. So let's just come. And, and, and if I can comment on those two. So they, those, are, those guys are perfect examples of people who you can trust because they, they have the face validity validity, right? Yeah. Elliot is a hepatologist in Michigan. Yeah. Even uh, is a dermatologist at MGH. Avio Glasser, you know, her threads have face validity because she's a social media editor at OHSU for the residency program and has lectured about this. So I think if you're, if you're careful about who you follow and who's you read, it sounds like you are, um, I think it protects the, against this fear that they're not peer-reviewed and therefore susceptible to misinformation. So I, what I'm hearing then is that that tool, there is a little bit of caveat emptor, right? There's a little bit of buyer beware. We need to be responsible and look at the person's bio to see who they are. And when you see that it's, you know, Elliot Tapper, hepatologist, with the, with, you know, seeing what his professional affiliation is, you can Google him, you can look him up. You gotta learn the professional bona fides right then and there, but that's on the that's on the reader, that's on the learner a little bit. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, I I, in, I 
at times don't want to take that too far. Yeah. And by the, what, what I mean by that is um, Hannah Abrams, who, you know, is that runs the Twitter feed for the curbsiders. Is Hannah Abrams so, goes uh, to my medical, medical school, man. Hannah goes to Baylor. I'm yeah. a Hannah Abrams yeah, fan. She's, a, she's, a, uh, she's amazing. And the, the content that she posts is fantastic. Yes. And so simply because she does not yet have a medical degree and simply because yeah. she's not a hepatologist, you know, at a, at a you know, top tier university doesn't mean that she can't contribute. That's a great But point. it does That's mean that point. I might have to be a little bit more cautious yeah. um, at initially saying uh, this, is, this is a person who's, um, whose postings are to be believed. She's clearly proven herself uh, to be a fantastic educator and, and knows what she's doing. It's, it's tough. It's really interesting. And I think that right now, when people ask me about this, I really do tell them like, you need to kind of do your legwork. You need to look into this person's feed and see what else is there. And if it looks credible and look at the responses and if the responses are positive, you know, you look at the Twitter ratio, if it's lots and lots of likes, you can imagine that the crowd is probably narrating a little bit. But you need to look at what they're doing and where, where, where they are and what their motivations are. And if they have a website, you need to look at their website. You, need to, you do need to be careful right now because we are it's, – it's a year old. Um, so we are a little bit in the wild west with that. But with that comes something that I really want your perspective on. This is so fun. This is so cool. You've done all the different types of teaching. You've done all the different types of learning. How would you put this – platform, this idea of threads on social media as this way to learn and interact, where would you rank this on your scale of the most fun? In terms of creating the content, oh boy, you know, I don't know if this is at the top, but boy, I I have absolutely um, enjoyed writing every single one of these. And I'll tell you something. It has made me such a better educator at the bedside and such uh, has such a better ability to do um, in the moment teaching, because what I try to to, uh, research and write about is is basic concepts, pathophysiology, and and there's no patient I take care of for whom at least one of these doesn't apply. So this is this is near the top. Um, I mean, I love researching and and giving lectures as well, but, but there's something special about this. In terms of consuming, what I really like about this versus the, the, the classic, you know, 60 minute didactic is I can do this on my own terms, right? I maybe work from nine to 11 in the morning on writing something or um, uh, in meetings, whatever it is. And then at 11 o'clock while I'm eating an apple, I can open my phone and peruse through Twitter, find a thread or a few tweets, and in my space on my time can learn instead of saying, all right, it's 12 o'clock. I have to go to the noon conference because the noon conference starts at 12, uh, even though I was ready to learn at 11. I wanted to learn at 11, uh, and, but no, I got to wait another hour. And that's, the, the, in some ways, a lot of the virtue of a medium like this. You can do it in the in-between times when you've got the space. For me, it's, it's, it's what you're just describing. I know when my mind is in that place of relaxed receptivity, when I'm ready to learn, and that's when I jump in. If I see one of your threads when I'm just you know 
walking from A to B or something. I'm not in that place, but I'll bookmark it. I'll know right. it's there. I'll, I'll do the, you know, I got to do the Tony Brayu championship belt holder shout out. I got to get that up there quickly, but I'm going to sit with it when I'm ready, when I've got some downtime, when I've got 20 minutes and it's coffee and I'm not distracted, that's yep. when it's going to really resonate and it's going to really sink in. And I like the dynamic that it gives me. It gives me agency over my learning. And I would suggest most of us growing up and in college and in medical school and in residency, you're on a schedule. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But this dynamic is very refreshing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, thinking back at the question you asked, what is the either most enjoyable, fulfilling, I forget exactly how you phrased it. Um, but one major difference with uh, teaching on social media versus teaching in other venues is, you know, I finish a, a noon conference um, and it's one o'clock and I say, you know, what questions do you have? Uh, typically, uh, people are standing up, walking out of the room and leaving, and maybe I'll get one question. Um, here, people respond. People ask questions. People make comments that are absolutely brilliant and highlight things that I hadn't even thought of. And that ability to engage with your audience, and I see the, you know, the audience of millions of, of Twitter users as, as an audience, is not unique to social media and Twitter, but certainly is the uh, best use of, of an audience. I mean, you don't get that in, in a lecture. When I go through the replies to your threads, I'll submit to you that's probably 30% of the learning for two reasons. Oh, one, sure. one of the things is it's something that augments or it's you've laid out things that I've read, learned, studied, tried before. Not all of it. There's nuggets in there that are brand new. But the response of, well, in this situation, I did this. In that situation, I did that. That gets my wheels turning. Or they'll submit something where I say, nope, I would not do that. I do not agree with that. And it reinforces what I was taught, what I've learned, what I've seen, and you know, go from there. It's, it's, you're, 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 in, you're in this incredible arena. And it's, it's just circling back. It's really fun. Yeah. And, and there's a... a um... It can be overwhelming. I've talked to friends of mine who have uh, thought about posting threads and, and in some ways fear that they're going to get responses. And if they don't respond, people are going to be offended or it's going to be a, an additional time suck beyond the initial posting. And what I tell them is that, um, you know, you may get responses, but if you do, that means it's, it's had traction, right? Yeah. And that people are interested in engaged. And you're going to be, um, uh, you're going to feel excitement about that and actually want to engage. And so I, I see it as a, a benefit, not a, uh, a negative. So you're similar to me, right? You've got a long career ahead of you yet. This is going to continue to evolve rather swiftly. We're only a year into it and we're, it, we're in this place now. You, I could see a future where this is a full-time job and it's a full-time job, not just creating the content, but running a department that creates this content mm -hmm. and then growing from there. Do you see Is your hospital hiring? <laughs> right. Well, you, you and I have to create it, but do you, do you see that appetite and do you see those roles where 
you know, look, clinical medicine is not, you're not going to stop doing that. You're going to keep seeing patients and teaching and all that good stuff at the bedside. But this is going to become much, much more expansive. Do you think that I'm right when you hear me say that? Or do you wince and say, Shapiro, you got to, you got to, let's settle down a little bit. You know, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's hard to know. Um, I, I think it, in terms of the ability to, to have something like this, you know, uh, pay some of someone's salary, um, it's hard to see that happening. And that's actually part of the problem is uh, for many people who are doing this, they're doing this because they have a passion for what they see, right? So Elliot, Stephen, you know, they just love dermatology and hepatology and they want to share that love with other people. Um, but they're doing it in between, right? They're they're doing it as an add-on, and I'm, I'm sure they're I'm sure their service chiefs are not paying them to do it. Now that's different than them, their service chiefs and their departments not recognizing them for it, right? I think you and have already written two white papers on on how we need to begin recognizing this in, in ERAS. We need to begin recognizing recognizing this on CVs, and I think that is true. But whether or not there's going to be a um, you know protect quote unquote protected time for it. I'm not, I'm not sure we're there yet. Uh, but why? Why are we not there I, yet? I, if you were a department chair and hopefully one day you, you are the department chair, you'd create it. I, I think that we're running into, and I want to be delicate here, but I think we, we need a little, maybe a little bit of imagination. Um, there are so many places that are adding, you know, division head of social media, like you and I know some of these people and it's really cool work. I, I think that the programs that move swiftly and are agile enough to allow the Tony Brews of the world to really be expansive under their flag, they're going to get out ahead of what is going to be a really, really important, probably lucrative, very exciting race. So, so that I agree with. I think that the people who um, make this a core part of their career, um, like so, someone like Avi, right? Avi Oglasser, yeah. who has a, you know, that is part of her title. Mm-hmm. Um, that I see, that, but it's, it's more the people who uh, write a few of these a year instead of writing, you know, a perspective piece and trying to get it published in a medical journal. Yeah. In the same way, they don't they don't get paid for writing one or two perspective pieces in a medical journal because there's no grant associated with that, or they don't get paid to give a lecture, uh, you know, at a uh, uh, you know a local conference or at a regional or national conference. In the same way, that's where I see that I, I don't know that we're going to be able to take this and make a full career out of it for most, but there is gonna, definitely going to be a sub subset of people, like people like you, who should be get. Uh, paid to do podcasts or at least have that part of your, your career where you get support from your, your chiefs, you know, people like Adam Rahman and, and the first side that, that, but those are, those are kind of the, you know, at top echelon people. That's not most people who are doing this. I'm going to push back and here's my pushback. What happens when I call you and I say, Tony, explore the space wants to sponsor Tony brew tutorials, Tony brew med threads. I'm going to pay you to do it. We're going to create a label. We're going to share it. It's the same thing. Is that is that your formal offer? Because if I, if that is your formal offer, I I, I accept. Done. Lock it in. <laughs> um, that's going to uh, happen. 
if if I, I that, I'll, I'll be very transparent. If I had the resources, we would do that, right? That that yeah. is what is coming. That is the future state. When you look at the growth of these social media platforms, when you look at the growth of podcasts, sponsorships are a huge part of this. If I'm a university president, if I'm a department chair, if I run an organization where I have a budget like that. I'm going to sponsor you because I want to keep this under my, I want this. This is content. We know content is king. We hear that all the time. In medicine, we may be behind, but not for long. And it's no different. I want that premium content in my portfolio. So I would submit to you that it absolutely is a profession. And if we don't recognize that, we're going to lose out on the Tony Bruce. Someone's going to snap you up. It's going to happen. And I think um, one of the reasons why I agree with that sentiment is what we talked about earlier in terms of reach, right? In some ways, departments supporting people to do, um, uh, again, perspective pieces, which I love writing uh, or giving talks, I want them to do that. But if you think about and try to get into the head of a department, the reach of that um, it is far smaller than the reach of things like the podcast that you create and some of the tutorials that some people write, where it's some people of over nice, thousand. I like the deference. Some pe- the ones that you <laughs> write, buddy. <laughs> well, but, but I'm not alone, right? No, you're not. You're right. They're, I know. I yeah. Know. And and I don't know how many <laughs> downloads you have, and how many downloads the curbsiders and bedside rounds and core I am. How many downloads they have. But their reach is phenomenal, and a, a division or a department or a medical center, university that doesn't want to align with that, I think is missing out at an opportunity that's staring them right in the face. And those that don't try to align themselves now you know, may get left behind. There's no question about it. Do you feel... You know, you and I, I think we're, we're roughly the same age. I'm 43. We've got a long career ahead of us. We, we started our careers when this stuff was like the flame was barely lit. Do you find this as like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for the rest of my career. I have not even come close to peaking or is this, you know what? These are the, these are the salad days. This is the best that's going to be. And then we're going to coast on in or somewhere in the middle. Where do you sort of land on that as this is evolving? Very much uncertain, and, and the reason is why well, I, I don't think I. Uh, this is the peak. I, I'd be very frustrated if you know five, six years from now I, I say that the you know the peak of my career was in my early forties. I think everyone wants to continue to be moving higher and higher and higher, and, and feeling like they have a level of fulfillment uh, and excitement you know, into their fifties and sixties, right? Um, but at the same time, what's kind of exciting is just thirteen months ago. Um, I had no interest in doing any of this stuff, right? And and that's one of the beautiful things about platforms like this is that, and, and just medicine in, in general, frankly, is you can find a space for your voice and a space for the things that excite you, uh, and and to 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 make a little bit of a pun, you can explore the space um, <laughs> well in ways. Yeah, thank you you can explore the space in ways that um, you maybe hadn't foreseen. Right. I, I, I would never have guessed 13 months ago 
that I'd be on a podcast talking about Twitter. That, that I mean, uh, clearly I would have never have thought that. Yeah. And so I have, there's no way for me to predict what I'm going to be doing 13 months from now. I suspect it's going to be continued um, exploration of physiology, pathophysiology, basic concepts, because before 13 months ago, I loved it. I just didn't have a venue to show my passion for it. And fortunately, Twitter provided that, that, that uh, venue. So the way I look at this is we are not even off the launch pad yet. I think we're still like plugging all of the widgets and modules and components onto this rocket and it hasn't even launched yet. That would be my submission. Yeah. I think we're just really figuring well, out the basic infrastructure and engineering. How are we going to do this collaboration? What are the tools? What are the voices? And then at some point we're going to realize, whoa, we're flying right now. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. And, and I think someone who has perspective that I don't have and who can kind of see a trajectory uh, is, is Joel Toff, who he has really um, kind of explored every avenue, right? Blog, um, Nest Journal Club, yep. uh, Nest, Ma Nest Madness, yep. the fellowship in social media, yep. and, and now has a podcast. Yeah. And he has, he has an arc uh, over now many, many years. Yeah. And I think is able to better see like how this stuff plays out in a way that I, I just simply can't yet. I like that. I like that. And I'll give you two others, Brian Vardabedian. Uh, and so yep. when he reflects on, should we not be using Twitter anymore? Cause it's going the way the blogs used to, cause he was blogging back in the day. I, I worry a little bit, but I'm glad we have that sort of counter voice. And then Sheikah Jane, who's doing all of these different things yep. as well. She's a department head of social media. Like these people who have this arc exist and so, but we don't have that critical mass where it's like that we're all on that road, but we can see how it maps out. And when we look at those people yeah. that you put up and that, that you've mentioned and that I've mentioned, these are like, these are proper Titans. These are really talented, interesting, fun, engaging people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what other things you mentioned that you like to do your threads on physiology, pathophysiology of disease, and you do a great job of it. What else? What else do you want? And, I'll, and I ask that from the place of I like Lindsay Fitzharris does her wonderful historical threads. Adam Rodman does yes. historical threads. I love there's – some, there's some great geophysicists that I follow. There's some sports yep. ones. There's the, this, the, the Twitter thread is just – it's a concept that's booming and they're so fun. What ones do you like to see? What ones do you think you might want to try to create? So – in terms of personal creation, there's only two flavors, and I don't plan on changing this. One is what you said, the physiology, pathophysiology. When I wrote the initial ones, my goal was to try to answer questions that people didn't even realize they had questions about, right? Didn't even realize could be a question. Um, you know, why does angina present with dyspnea, right? That, that was my original intent, and I still try to do many of those but it's morphed into just general discussions of physiology and pathophysiology. The other ones that I write are uh, for the um, things we do for no reason handle for the uh, series in the journal of hospital medicine. I love those. And I love those, those. Yeah. And those are meant to be um, basically an entree to the papers. And so that actually is a, is a good segue to the ones that I want to see kind of more of, which is, 
um, experts in the field uh, taking apart new publications and giving a, a, a version of an editorial on them and helping me to understand the methods, the implications, and whether or not it should be practice changing, practice confirming, or something that I should ignore. Because I I don't personally have, A, the, the time to get into the weeds on, on every paper, the thousands of papers published each week, nor do I frankly have the expertise. And I want, so I want to see other people really get into that space and, and help me to understand what I should know. That's a tall order, but I think it can be done. And there's people who are already doing it, but I don't know that there are people who have really, you know, put their flag post in and said, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I'd love to see more of that. That's a great call to action. And I hope that people heed it because as more and more people jump into this, it just, it just, it just fills up the pool. It fills it up with water and it's good stuff. You are also codifying a lot of this stuff. You, you, you submitted a really interesting survey and you're, you're not just putting this material out there, but you're trying to kind of gauge interest and make it where we understand why we like it, why we gravitate to it, but also what works and what doesn't. Yeah. This is phase one and I can really see how you're going to keep pushing this. What do you see are the next, it's, it's only been a year. You've probably had over a million engagements all in. You're studying the impact now. We're recruiting more people to do it. We're talking about how do we grow it, scale it, make it where it could be a career. When you come back on the show a year from now, what are we going to be talking about then? My goodness gracious, it's amazing to think about it. Yeah, I think one thing that I'd love to, to see uh, is a clear demonstration of how people are using this for recognition and promotion. Right? Yeah. I know, again, you, you've written some white papers on this and, and are really trying to push people to um, push their departments and themselves to get credit for this activity. Uh, and so I'd love if a year from now you and I had another conversation uh, I'd love to be able to say that uh, I made progress with uh, my university and that uh, other people had, had made similar progress. Um, and the other thing that I'd love to, to, to be able to, to say confidently is that we know how to find the content that's been written. Yeah. You talked early in this conversation about uh, the, the idea of PubMed and Twitter hell. Um, I, I see it as an obligation uh, to, to really help try to, to move that forward, um, having created some content that I, I personally don't want to just sit there unread. Because the, the, here's the, the truth, and I have looked into this a little bit. It is clear that after five days or so, um, the number of people who see a tutorial goes down to near zero. Um, unless, of course, you know, I retweet it myself or organically it pops up. And, and so that suggests that there really is this idea of these things moving into the rearview mirror and then just moving out of sight completely. Um, and that's problematic. And, you know, seminal landmark papers 
in you know in journals get continuously downloaded because they're important. That doesn't happen with the content that Peter people are posting, and so I really want to try to figure out a way to help that happen. Uh, we're not there yet, but I hope that a year from now, when you and I chat again, uh, that we're closer uh, to an answer. I can't wait for that conversation because the landscape is going to be totally different. I can't wait till we reconnect in person. I'm sure it'll be in conference season sometime this fall or early part of 2020. And this yep. is awesome, man. You are the championship belt holder for a reason. These threads are amazing. You are changing the way we learn, the way we teach, not just in medicine. It's changing how all of our professions do this for teaching, for learning, for engagement, for entertainment. It's brilliant. This was a just a total pleasure, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.